doing, Doc? I need fuel. <laughs> Give me fuel, take a fly, ship me trains and out of Zion. Now, here are your hosts, John Eddie Jr. and Tom Tuttle. Welcome back to Fantasy Fuel. You know what? We don't have a lot to talk about right now for um, uh, outside of season news, but we're going to do some deep dives, and we'll probably do a few of these over the course of the offseason. I do have two little tidbits that um, at least some people in our area may be concerned with. Apparently, John Clayton says J.J. Watt won't be coming to Pittsburgh. That's where I actually thought he was going to go. Apparently, it's down to three teams and a dark horse team. The three teams are Tennessee, Green Bay, and Buffalo, with the dark horse being the Raiders. That one really, really seems seems like a dark horse. (laughs) Which which of those three teams do you think he would go to? Um, let's see. It was, uh, Packers and Buffalo and what else? And Tennessee. Tennessee. Um, boy, they all give you a good chance of winning. Yeah. But right now they do. I don't know. Oh, I mean, we already kind of just, we already kind of discussed it a little bit. So I think, I think the, I don't know. I think the Packers would probably be, the easiest choice for him to make. I mean, there's guarantee that Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. You still, there's still question marks about um, Josh Allen. There's still question about Mark uh, Tannehill and whether or not that offense is going to be great, you know, all that stuff. So if he wants to win, I'd say he goes to the Packers. Yeah. Uh, Out of those three teams, I bet you that's where he wants to go whether or not he thinks they actually give him the best chance of winning. We'll see. Uh, you would think that in the NFC would be a better chance of getting to the Super Bowl, uh, where the AFC has such a, a wide array of teams that actually will compete. And just But Tennessee, yeah. Buffalo, Kansas City, um, you know, uh, the Browns probably next year are going to compete, and I thought that was one of the teams he was uh, thinking about too. So uh, wherever he ends up, I guarantee you they'll mm-hmm. at least be gunning for the playoffs, which is something um, he definitely he sorely needs for his career to really take hold on a lot of people outside of the Wisconsin and uh, Texas down there. So we'll be paying yeah. close attention. It'll be fun if he comes to Green Bay, but um I don't know that I would put money on it at this point. Uh something you could have put money on in the last 3ish years is a certain quarterback not throwing a pick 6. The only person there's one quarterback in the last 50 plus starts to not throw a pick 6. Can you name that quarterback? <laughs> one quarterback. One quarterback. To not throw. <laughs> to not throw a pick six. I'm guessing it's a trick question. Oh, well, I mean, it's not a There's, trick question. It's not somebody who would be like a fantastic <laughs> Right. I'll just, I'll give you one little hint. He was okay. the NVP. 
<laughs> the MVP? Yes. There was one game that gave out this award that happened to be on a certain station outside of the norm, and that station was Nickelodeon. So he was the Nickelodeon MVP. Oh, boy. I don't know. I don't don't pay attention to what they do. I know. I didn't really either. But the answer is Mitch Trubisky. Oh, my goodness. Why would they even give him an award? Uh, he They won the game, and he was the quarterback. Uh, I don't know. It's just kind of what N- they... MVP means not valuable player. Uh, in our circle, yes, 100%. <laughs> um, but apparently on the kids' station, he was a, a very, very important part of that game. Good job, Nickelodeon. You just got a bunch of kids interested in Mitchell Trubisky. And now they're not. Gonna, they're going to hate football because where's Trubisky? He's my favorite player. Um, he's not going to be on the field. He's not going to be in Chicago either, probably. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, that was pretty much all I had. Oh, I guess we haven't talked about since it actually happened because I forgot it happened the day I actually released the last episode. Carson Wentz mm. got traded. <laughs> so yeah. I suppose we might have to talk about that for just a second. Um, okay. So as you all know, Carson Wentz was traded. We're getting a third round pick this year and a second round pick in 2022 that could possibly turn into a first rounder if Carson Wentz plays 75% of the snaps or 70% of the snaps and they make the playoffs. I think there's a good chance that you get 75% of the snaps, but he's, I mean, who knows? Yeah, he could get hurt immediately yeah. and then just completely suck the rest of the time. But, but then it was worth it I mean, for us to trade him anyway, no matter what we well, get for him. Yeah, 100% <laughs> on that. I agree. I think it's a fine deal. I, I initially didn't know there was a clause in there that you could get a first round pick because everyone was saying a third and a second. Yeah. That's all I was seeing. I didn't I didn't want to dig into it. I figured what's the point? JJ will tell me about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I I I don't know. I think it's a, a a pretty decent trade. I thought initially it was a little lower than what it could have been, but knowing that, I mean, 75% of the snaps, I'd say that's the intent. Well, of course. That's what they want out of him. So of course. If, it, it, your best case scenario is that he plays 75% of the snaps and he sucks. You're right. going to feel really good about <laughs> that. I definitely would not look back at this trade with any regret. Right. If that is the case, mm-hmm. like, well, uh, they couldn't fix him either. So uh, I guess we <laughs> had to deal with $33 million in dead cap in 2021 just to get him out of here. Um, I, I initially thought that us signing him to that big contract was a good thing because we did it before guys like Dak and Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes got their extensions. Like, yeah. all right, well, it's going to only cost us more after that. But if we would have waited one more year <laughs> before we signed that contract, uh, we probably wouldn't have had to sign a contract, period, and then he would have just been a yeah. free agent. So uh, that would have been a whole different story. But as it stands, um, I may not talk about the Eagles a lot in 2021. I'm not sure (laughs) what to expect because we're not going to be able to sign free agents. Uh, We may get some decent draft picks, but it's going to be a very young team, especially if it's Jalen Hurts and Jalen Rieger leading the way. I I have 
a feeling there's going to be a lot of uh, speed bumps and um, different obstacles along the way. So I, I've been through it once before, before we got Donovan McNabb. I'll do it again, hopefully with Jalen Hurts, and <laughs> we'll see what happens. I just hope we don't have to go through a couple of uh, Coy Detmer, Ty Detmer, Rodney yeah. Pete years where it yeah. was pretty excruciating to watch. Luckily, it wasn't on TV a lot. Uh, but I did mm-hmm. watch some really, really awful play by the Eagles quarterbacks mm-hmm. for a few years. So we'll see uh, what happens there. But I did read something about your team, and oh. Michael Pirine apparently is okay. really happy that Sam Darnold, should, he wants Sam Darnold to be their quarterback. Like, I know there's a lot of talk about him, but I know Sam. He's a leader, and he's he's the leader of our football team, and I hope he's here, you know, for the foreseeable future or something of that nature, but. I happen to agree with him. I mean, I mean, I, I wouldn't if we could get the number one pick in the draft. Of course. That, that would be by far the best scenario for the Jets. But dropping down, like I've said it so many times, it's nauseating <laughs> to say over and over again, but if we're just not going to take the number one pick in the draft, then there's no reason to go nope. quarterback because it's just going to be another project that we're already doing. And then we're just going to go down this road every single time the quarterback doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to keep getting the second pick or a third pick or the sixth <laughs> pick. And these are the last, these are the picks we've had in the last like five years. Right. We are now at the second pick. It's the best pick we've ever had. We had the third pick. A few years ago, I think we had to trade to get that. And we had a sixth pick not too long ago. I know Sanchez was like the sixth pick overall or something like that. So we've done this plenty of times, and we've <laughs> failed plenty of times. So I know that if we pick this next guy in the second, whoever it is mm-hmm. with the second pick, it's probably going to fail. So there's no reason to do that. You have to go out and get the absolute best quarterback in the draft that you know it has the best chance to succeed. Otherwise, there's no real point in moving on from Darnold. I haven't seen enough horribleness out of him yet <laughs> to where I can't say that to just give him another chance. He's still young. He's still as young yeah. as some of these rookies anyway. So, yep. No cyclone of horribleness quite yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, one quick stat before we get into our deep dive. Uh, I just saw this, the lowest drop percentage by wide receivers in 2020 uh no real surprises here maybe one uh but the top spot was held by both deandre hopkins and Devonte adams at 0.9 percent drop rate so wow. that's awesome Allen robinson was just at a one percent again very mm-hmm. awesome we talked about Allen robinson a little bit last time and yep. the fourth on this list at 1.2 percent is cole beasley so he was extremely I, you know, reliable. Surprising. Nope, not to us. Not surprising at Somebody all. Somebody else yeah. out there that's listening may be like, wow, was Cole Beasley really that good last year? When he, Yeah, he really he was. was that good last year. He was super yep. reliable, and that made Josh Allen what he was last year. I mean, he yep. was good anyway those first four games when he still had John Brown, but he was just kind of chucking it up, and then he <laughs> evolved into a quarterback that could make those second and third reads And because Cole Beasley's not your number one option. Uh, that is Stephon Diggs and Stephon Diggs alone. So Cole Beasley being the second or third option there and having a drop percentage of only 1.2, that, that speaks volumes to his play and then the, that play of your quarterback. So hopefully 
He continues yep. that with Josh Allen next year, and Cole Beasley is going to be one of those guys you can take in the 8th, ninth, 10th round maybe, and he'll just be steady for you all year. You, you don't have to worry about him. Uh, but yep. we will see. We will monitor because, uh, again, we were we were fans of Cole Beasley for the majority of the season. As soon as uh, John Brown went down, we were like, get him in your lineups. Please get yep. him in your lineups. Yep. Anyway, the players we are going to break down this year or this year, uh, this episode. Uh, this is the only chance yes, you get. This is it. This is We're it. not Sorry. breaking any more people down after this. <laughs> after this, 2021 is over. We will be back in 2022. <laughs> no, no. Um, we're going to break down a veteran wide receiver and a rookie wide receiver and a veteran running back and a rookie running back. And we'll start Yay. with the wide receivers. Uh, we have done a, a deep dive on this veteran receiver before. And he changed our minds, and maybe he's going to change our minds yet again, and we'll flip-flop back to where we were. Uh, This player is Julio Jones, a guy I have loved watching over his career. He has made just some amazing, amazing catches and had some insane games. We all know fantasy football Julio Jones, where he busts out for 300 yards and a couple of touchdowns. So we all know what Julio is capable of. And in our first breakdown of him, we said he was too inconsistent with his plays because of those games with 50 points. And then he would disappear and then get you yeah. another 35-point game and he'd disappear. But his overall stats at the the end of the year look amazing. Well, this last year, we didn't get to see a full season. So we no. only can break down so much of Julio Jones. But because it wasn't a full season, maybe we're all going to have to take a step back from Julio Jones. Uh, what are your initial thoughts for Julio's 2020? Well, I know you're probably going to take a little stab at Julio, and I think that's fine, and I think that's warranted. Um, but there are some positives that I can look at when I see what he did last year, or at least in the fantasy realm. There was four weeks in a row where he gave you the Julio numbers that you expect. Mm-hmm. And them weeks were fantastic. I mean, I played him every single one of those weeks, and sure. he helped me win probably every single one of those weeks. Because when he's playing and he's starting, the rest of your lineup tends to fall in to where it's supposed to. Right. That's what Julio can do for you when he's playing and when he's healthy and when he's doing when he's playing right. But there's also a ton of other weeks, even when he played, that were garbage. Yeah. And so week one, I think he was pretty much healthy. He did really well. And then it went to crap the next four weeks. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's something to where he needs to prove it again. Obviously you can dig into it more than me. Cause this is the guy you concentrated on more than I did, but we're just looking at the raw stats and the raw fantasy value. If he's on the field, I believe he still has the value, but I, at this point, if you're on the field and you're hurt, I don't know if it's worth it. Uh, that's basically what it's going to boil down to uh, for 2021 when it comes to drafting for me. I'm yeah. still going to look at Julio, but he absolutely 100% cannot be an end of the first round, beginning of the second round wide receiver anymore. No. Uh, I mean, he may end up being worth it if he stays healthy for an entire year, but you cannot take him. At that position, uh, let me Somebody go back. Will well, of course they will. Yep. Um, but let's go back just a couple of years. Twenty eighteen. This was the year that kind of um, made us eat our words. 
Uh, he played all 16 games, had 170 targets, which equaled to 113 catches, 1,677 yards, and eight touchdowns. So, you know, a little disappointing in the touchdowns, but that's been Julio's MO. He's only had 10 yep. touchdowns once in his yep. entire career, and that was his sophomore season in the NFL. So that those numbers look amazing, and if you're in a best ball league, I'm sure you had amazing numbers from Julio all year. Well, then we'll move along to 2019. Very similar. He only played in 15 games, so he missed one. No big deal, and still had 157 targets, 99 catches, almost 1,400 yards, and six touchdowns. Very Julio-like. Yeah. Well, 2020 comes along. We only get nine games out of him. And like you were saying, there was about four good games in a row and maybe one other good game besides that out of those nine. So about half of those games, he was good. 68 targets, 51 catches, 771 yards, three touchdowns. Again, if you basically doubled that in the games he would have played in a full season, it would have equaled out to a Julio year. But... (laughs) He he reverted back to that, you don't know if he's going to go off or he's going to be garbage. So yep. we'll break down 2020 really quick. 12 targets, 9 catches, 157 yards in week one. You're like, yes, that is yep. why I drafted Julio at the end of the first, the top of the second, and I am loving it. Well, two straight weeks of four targets after that. Four targets. Not even four catches. Four targets. Yeah. So eight targets total and six catches in those two games. And that's not what you're looking for with Julio. A total of 56 yards and no touchdowns in those two games. And then he had those four games in a row. 10, 9, 10, and 7 targets. Okay, great. 8, 8, 7, and 5 catches. Great. 137, 97, 137, and only 54 yards in the last game. But then three touchdowns in those four games. So you were like, all right, Julio's finally back. Well, then he started having his issues, and we didn't know if he was going to be healthy for pretty much from that point forward, and he had Mm -hmm. one more game of 10 targets, 6 catches, and 94 yards, and that was Julio's season. He was done after December 6th. And that is right before the fantasy playoffs. So he was not Mm -hmm. there for you in the fantasy playoffs and that stings because if your guy isn't there and you had him drafted in the first and second round, he, you got to find somebody to make up for it. And luckily for Tom and I, we picked up Cole Beasley later on down the line who basically kind of filled in for Julio Jones. It wasn't Julio numbers sure all the time, but we were lucky and found one of those guys. But if you don't find one of those guys, you're probably not going to make the playoffs and you're not going to you're not going to win in the playoffs if you don't have your guy. Yeah, and picking up Beasley was a good thing for us to fill in. But if I would have had Julio and Beasley, I would have played yes, both of them exactly. and it would knock somebody else out. Right. But the the fact that Julio was giving me fits all year because I didn't know whether or not I could play him or not, and he never was like once. I don't feel like he was ever like he's definitely out. It was always questionable. We don't know if he's going to play. Game time decision. I hate that. I yes. hate that stuff with a passion when it comes to fantasy football. You try and stay away from those people because it just makes everything worse because you now you got to pay attention to 
to game day, or they're looking at, oh, shoot, is he here? Is he here? Mm-hmm. Or I got this guy here. I got to put him in here. Do I start this guy or this guy? Or, man, if Julio was playing, everything would be perfect. And that's exactly the kind of people I don't want on my team. So he's going to have to prove it again for me to actually want him <laughs> to, to even close to where you would normally draft him. If he falls to the third round, I'll draft him. There's no question about that. But I, this might be the last chance for Matt Ryan and Julio Jones to do anything together anyway. So Very, very we'll true. Uh, and like you said, it's, he's going to be really hard to pass up in the third round. Oh, yeah. But I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to pull the trigger coming into this season unless I hear he is healthy and Matt Ryan is ready to go and – they have if a real that, they have a real running back that's going to be a a big issue with Atlanta this coming season because obviously Todd Gurley wasn't the answer Brian Hill's not the answer <laughs> Edo Smith wasn't the answer they have no. no running game and that makes a defense be able to key on the passing game for Atlanta and give you some fits so i mean even though Calvin yeah. Ridley had a decent year it just it didn't equal to wins at least what i'm saying for the Falcons so yeah, I, I think if you hear that Julio Jones and Matt Ryan are ready to go and it's going to be a fantastic, they're they're super hyped on it. You're not, he's not falling to the third round. Somebody's right. going to take him before that anyway, so you're not going to have that opportunity. That's where I think if he does fall to the third round and there's no super hype on a guy, I I'm willing to take that chance at that sure. point because now I already have two guys I actually trust in, and if I go wide receiver, wide receiver. And then I end up going the third round, get another wide receiver, just to say, let's hope for of the three awesome wide receivers here. Right. And then you can try and piece together some running backs. I know a lot of people try to do that. There's all sorts <laughs> of strategies in drafts, obviously, but I mean that's one way you can think of it. I mean, if you already got two guys you really trust in, and Julio Jones, if you can get back at all to where he used to be, even last year we saw him be successful. Oh, yeah. It's just it's you got to put it all together for one entire year, and he's got to be healthy. I mean, that's the biggest question. Last year was just so annoying with Julio <laughs> Jones. Yeah, we we finally went back to the well for the Julio Jones drink, and it, it kind of <laughs> bit us in the behind. So yeah, we'll, we'll proceed with caution from this point forward with Julio. Um, the next guy you picked, I don't know if you picked him for any specific reason, but I do believe in a past episode I referred to this person as a Julio Jones-esque type fantasy player <laughs> because of his inconsistencies in his rookie season. Now, of course, that can all change, but who did you pick for a rookie wide receiver? Well, I picked Chase Claypool. Um, there's inconsistencies, sure. But there's a lot of really good things about oh, yeah. Claypool, too. I mean, if you just watch him play in itself, he's got that kind of spark that anybody it would want on their team. Now, it does matter a little bit, and I don't think it matters a lot if Juju resigns with the Steelers. Now, I know he wants to. Juju already said plenty yeah. of times, I want to stay with the Steelers, but do the Steelers really want him? The problem is I think Juju will maybe sign – anything that makes sense to him sure. so i don't think the steelers and it's juju is not smart here he's not using <laughs> his head he needs to say yeah i could go anywhere so give the steelers an opportunity to pay him a little more money but it sounds like the steelers probably well he wants to be with us we'll just offer him something team friendly and he might take it so we'll see but if juju isn't on the team 
it's going to be a different story. But either way, I think I still like Claypool going forward. Now, uh, we I want to start with Juju because this that's kind of where this begins. If Smith-Schuster is um, still on the team, uh, he only last year in four games – he was under 10 points, only four, four games, okay? So that that's a little concerning, you would think, for somebody like Claypool. But in those four games, Claypool, in the four games that he that Juju was under 10 points, Claypool averaged 21.55 points per game. There you go. So if Juju doesn't resign with the Steelers, we can expect more games like that and more numbers out of Chase to that realm. Now, even if Juju is not on the team, or even if Juju is on the team, I still it's not like Claypool didn't have a, a good year. I mean, there's still a good chance that he improves from there. Um, wow, my notes just got lost. Wow. Okay. Um, why is it doing this? Okay. Well, your your right. video got fixed, so now your notes have to fail. That's this is how this works. But uh, Juju did take a step back, even though it didn't really seem like it. If you're just looking at the numbers. Um, because if you if you just look at the receptions and all that, he had he had almost a hundred receptions, but he didn't even have nine hundred yards. Yep. So that doesn't compute if you're looking at things correctly. And his yards after the catch went way down from the mm-hmm. previous year as well. And that's a sign that things aren't going well for a player. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers do want to look on in a different direction. I mean, they have two young guys that they really like in and Johnson and now Claypool. And I think they're they're ready to to move on from Juju, but we'll see. Um, but I think Claypool is ready to take over that job if they do move on from him. He's his his yards per catch was just over fourteen, higher than Deontay Johnson and Juju, mm-hmm. and he's only um, he's only point five nine yards per catch lower than Tyreek Hill. Wow! So I mean that's I mean, that's something you got to look at. I mean the guy is a playmaker. Um, give Give Clay, Claypool some of those receptions to, from Juju, what we were just talking about, and we're talking about a stud. I mean, if Juju's not there, I really think Claypool becomes something that we really have to put our eyes on. He was already tied for fourth in touchdowns in the AFC on on the year last year, and Juju had the same amount of touchdowns. Um, but if again, if Juju's gone, expect the touchdowns to go up some. If if not, it won't. I don't think it'll get any worse. I think it'll stay about the same, even if Juju's there. So you're still getting a good amount of touchdowns out of Claypool, even if Juju's still there. And I honestly don't expect Juju to get the, as many touchdowns as he did last year. I think Juju overperformed what he um, probably should have this year because I can see that decline from him. Um, a little side note, I guess, Claypool was also in the top 20 uh, for yards per game in the AFC. So that's that's a little something. Um, but, uh, guess who had the most dropped passes in the NFL last year? Ooh, if it was Chase Claypool, that is a, uh, that's a lot of drop passes. I'm seeing his catch percentage was 56.9%, which isn't amazing. Uh, isn't right. super horrible, but, uh, did he have the most drop passes or was it somebody, no, was it, it Juju? No, it oh, wasn't okay. Juju either. It was Deontay Johnson. Uh, so, if 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 Juju's out of the picture, now Deontay Johnson might be a reason they'd want to resign Juju. But if sure. Juju's out of the picture, you can expect Claypool 
to get in favor with Big Ben because Big Ben's going to be like, you know what? He's not going to drop the ball like Deontay Johnson might drop <laughs> the ball. Now, if Deontay Johnson comes out and he proves that he can actually catch the ball more times than not, then it, we'll see. But another big thing that I like to look at is how in how did he perform saying Claypool on third downs? Because that's tells me whether or not you're being favored, you know, whether or not you're the guy that the quarterback's looking at. He was top five in the AFC and top 10 in the NFL on first down receptions for when they were on third down. So, well, he probably got half that's... of those against the Eagles, so I don't know if that's a <laughs> really accurate stat at this point. But that's that's clutch, man. I mean, it anytime, is. anytime there's a quarterback going out there and targeting somebody like that, it, it's it's a really good thing. And anytime I it, it, let's say Juju was great as well on this as it, it but if it's a prime position to take over for somebody like Juju if he's not in the field because he's already doing it on third down. It, so I'm, I'm pretty positive no matter what happens, even if Juju signs, they're still going to look at his way. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's uh, that's what I think he's got right there. And then when it comes to the when the game's on the line, who, who's, who's, who's Big Ben going to uh, look at? You know, who who's he going to trust in in the second half? You better believe that it's Chase Claypool because he was top five in the second half for touchdowns. I mean, this this is the type of guy you look at when you start digging into these numbers. You really realize just how good he is. Yes, inconsistent at times, but yes, he does have the the tools to put it all together. And he's a rookie, so you got to give him a little bit of time as well. But again, Juju's gone. Count Claypool as the next big thing. I really think it will be. And as as long as he stays healthy. All these things that you you look at, it really makes you feel positive about somebody like this. All right, before I get into my uh, Chase Claypool uh, stats and whatnot, I just have to say thank you, Green Dragon, uh, for the birthday wishes. I appreciate it. Yesterday was my (laughs) actual birthday, but didn't get to stream, so here we are and uh, doing podcasts, and I'll be doing some stuff afterwards, so going to try and make a night of it. But, yes, thank you for the birthday wishes. I appreciate that. Um, as far as my views on Chase Claypool, um, I am very skeptical, but you know that of me, I, mm-hmm. I wait for it to happen. I, yes, I take some chances on some guys and he is a guy next year that depending on where his ADP lands, I will take some chances, but I don't think it's going to be very high. And that's part of the reason I'm so happy about this because there's no question if they do retain Juju, his value will plummet. And you're going to get something of, in my opinion, way better value because it's going to drop in the ADP. But if Juju's not there, his value is going to, I'm not going to say skyrocket, but it's going to be higher to where you might consider something else at that point. But I honestly, either way, I'm okay with it because I, I really trust in Claypool. Just looking and, and watching the way he plays, I like it, and then you dig into some of the stats. I know he's inconsistent, but sometimes that just doesn't matter, especially when you're a rookie. But go ahead, keep, keep going on. <laughs> so uh, I guess my only qualms right now with Chase Claypool is, like I said, there was some inconsistencies. 
and he overcame some of those fantasy inconsistencies by doing some other things with the football other than just being a receiver. Uh, he had a number of rushing attempts. It was only 10, but it seemed yeah. like they came in some clutch situations. He had two touchdowns on the ground. That That's a pretty big deal um, in an offense like the Steelers because they do kind of like shift their receivers around and yeah. fake yep. out the defense, if you will. And Ben Roethlisberger is not somebody who's going to be around for much longer. That's true. He could still retire in the offseason. And then we have really big question marks when it comes to Claypool and Juju and Deontay Johnson. But I think there's no question about that. <laughs> and I, I don't, if, if, we, if Big Ben's not there next year, it makes it, it completely throws this out the window. Right. But I am I am projecting that he's going to stay for at least this next year. I think he stays for a couple more years. I mean, when you start out thirteen and zero or whatever it was they did, he's got to be like, you know what, we can do this. We just got to put it together. Right. So I think he's coming back at least this next year. So last thing before we move on to our running backs is the the inconsistencies that I've seen were mm-hmm. all more or less target based. So when he was targeted, whether or not it was because of the defense that was being played against them or the matchup, the defensive back that was on him, who knows? That is something that Ben Roethlisberger could do is pick on a guy. And if he sees the matchup he likes, then guess what? Claypool gets 11 catches in week four or targets. He gets nine and seven, 13 and eight, 10 and nine. Then he's got an eight, nine, and then it kind of averages out. There's a four, six, eight, six, and then back up to 11, uh, the last game of the season. So because of the way Claypool is as a receiver, he needs a lot of targets to make something happen because he had a lot of big plays. 62 catches for 873 yards. You were saying he was uh, one of the best in the league at uh, yards per catch, and that's indicative of a play like that. If he's just behind Tyreek Hill, guess what? He's making big plays. So when he gets the targets, you're going to have some big games around him. But the problem will be if he isn't going to be a part of the offense against a defense that maybe juju can exploit or deontay johnson can exploit then the targets are going to go down and he's going to have that inconsistent week-to-week scoring basis i hope it's not true because i am looking at him for next year in the drafts and he won't be a high pick because he didn't have a huge like standout season we all paid attention and we all see, I mean, I, it was uh, week four against the Eagles where he had seven catches, 110 yards, <laughs> three touchdowns, and a touchdown on the ground. So I obviously right. saw it from the beginning with Chase Cleveland. I'm like, well, I know our defense sucks, but he looked really good. So uh, we're going to keep a big eye on him, and I'm hoping his ADP is somewhere around like six, seven, eight. And you'd be like, you yeah. know what? If he pops off, he could be one of those guys. We have discussed those rounds in particular a few different times, and I have a feeling that when we do it again this year, he's going to be one of those guys, like, just seventh round? Get him, get him, get him, get him, and hopefully it'll pay off in 2021. Yeah, and just one more thing before, I've already said this, but I want (laughs) to just reiterate it a little bit. 
all the things that you said that you could possibly take in a semi-negative light to make you have some doubt on uh, Claypool, I completely understand. I really do. The one thing, and when I was looking up all these stats when and all this stuff to dig into him, but the one thing that really made me say yes it, when the, that light bulb turned on is when I saw the the third downs when he was oh, in the sure. top five for being not, and I'm not going to say targeted. I don't know about that, but most first downs on third down in the top five. I mean, that is fantastic. I mean, that really means that he has trust in you. Now, whether it's Big Ben, that's a different story. Right. If it's not Big Ben, scratch this episode. For, <laughs> well, we got other people we can talk about. Oh, but yeah, yeah. Scratch this part of the episode out, and you can completely forget about it. But I, I really do believe that Big, big Ben is back. I can't say Big Ben all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> when Roethlisberger is back, it's going to matter. <laughs> uh, yeah, just just on that note is if he's going to be that good on third down, that means he's not coming off the field, which means his targets should increase. And that's right. that's all we can ask for from a wide receiver, especially a sophomore wide receiver, is if he is getting uh, at least 109 targets next year, they should be – possibly more important targets. So it won't just be, oh, we're taking a shot. Um, if he's that good on third down and they're that confident in him, those targets are either going to increase or they'll be more important. And he was good. So we yeah. can't ask for much One more. more thing because it's just clicking in my head. <laughs> but you remember when Juju was a rookie, he had success from yes. what I remember. I'm trying to picture it in my head. And we're all like, you know, whatever. Antonio Brown's on the other side, no big deal. But then the next year, Juju kind of had a really big year from what I remember. I yes. could be wrong. I'm not looking at the stats. But, I mean, there's a very good chance that that happens again. It's the same offensive strategy. Sure. Same head coach. I assume it's the same quarterback. We'll see what happens. I honestly expect big things from Claypool, even if it's not this next year. He's still young. As long as he doesn't completely fall off the map, I right. think we got a, a good chance in something for him all right now we can talk about our running backs and oh, it feels it almost feels weird saying this guy's no. a veteran running back and mm -hmm. it feels weird that we're talking about him on a down year because he's never really had a down year except when he missed games <laughs> and he was in such a weird offense because it started off like gangbusters and then yep. Dak Prescott gets hurt and Zeke was almost benchable for a, a portion of the last half of the season. And that is not something I ever thought, no matter who the quarterback was going to be for the Cowboys, I never thought I would think of him in that way. It wasn't even just a portion of the last half of the season. I mean, it was since week six. There was only two weeks since week six that he had over 20 points. And one of the, oh, yeah, one of those games was week 16. So if you had him in the Super Bowl, you were right. pretty happy. But I mean, since week six, it just wasn't, it was okay. If you started him, you got something. Right. But it wasn't anywhere close to what you would expect out of somebody like that. Nope. Uh, I mean, we all know what Zeke has done uh, in the first four years of his career. He was getting anywhere between 1,350 and 1,630 yards on the ground, plus anywhere between 30 and 60, uh, or no, I'm sorry, um, 
between yeah twenty six and <laughs> seventy seven catches. He had seventy seven catches on ninety five targets just two short years ago, but this yeah. last year he had fifty two catches. That sounds like yeah. a great deal, but only had three hundred and thirty eight yards after catching the ball, and that's not very good. No. And we all know it was a terrible offense. But it didn't have to be. It really didn't because the Cowboys, they have three really good wide receivers. I know Michael Gallup had a down year. I know C.D. Uh, Lamb was a rookie, and he had to go back and forth between quarterbacks. And Amari Cooper was pretty much Amari Cooper all year long. We yeah. talked about him. He has his own inconsistencies. But he had been getting better with Dak Prescott at the helm. And right now... Dak Prescott is basically in control here. The Cowboys, they're going to have to either give him the deal he wants or franchise tag him, and then Dak is completely in the driver's seat and be like, you know what, I don't want to play with you guys. Or <laughs> he's he's going to still get a bunch of money without knowing if he's fully healthy and without knowing if, this offense is really going to stay what it was for the first four games of the season under Mike McCarthy. And we did kind of mention that there's been yep, a lot of passing under Mike McCarthy and they sure ended up looking like they were going to be a pass first team, even with Ezekiel Elliott. So with that in mind, what are your thoughts on Zeke going into 2021? Well, what, what exactly what week was it that Dak got hurt? It was week five. So the first five games, he did fine. And I think that's kind of where I'm at right now with Zeke. I think that it does matter what quarterback he has because sure. at the moment, it seems like the moment that Prescott got hurt, it kind of just spiraled out of control for, for Zeke Elliott. And I think it does make a big difference. Now, I don't know how on track Prescott is to even play at the beginning of the season. Uh, and if they don't sign him, I completely, oh, I just don't even want Zeke on my team at that point. I don't know what to expect. So it wouldn't be worth drafting him wherever he's drafted because people are going to see the name and they'll say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Zeke on. You know, they're going to see the numbers and, oh, top 10. Okay. I mean, it's to me, it's not top 10 worthy unless – Dak Prescott is the Cowboys quarterback. And I think that's the biggest thing for me personally sure. that I would have to consider before drafting somebody like him. Yeah, and we all know Zeke has always been a top five pick, usually a top two or three pick in fantasy drafts. And I know he was again this last season, and he possibly could have been worth every you know ounce of that draft pick if Dak Prescott were the quarterback. But... Dak Prescott got hurt. We don't know yep. how he's going to be. And without Dak Prescott, Zeke scored one touchdown in like 10 games. <laughs> that is really, really bad for a running back. So yeah. if that if you're just looking at that, he averaged barely over four yards a carry and six touchdowns on the season. And he played in 15 games. There was only one week he didn't actually play. So yep. it's not like he had a whole bunch of missed time. Who knows if he was taking plays off 
I don't know how that goes in Zeke's mind because you never know. I mean, you, they were pretty much in oh, the playoff hunt the whole year. They were. They should have. Even with Andy <laughs> Dalton at quarterback, they could have and should have won that division with what with what resources they had. Yes, I know their yeah. defense was awful, but they still had a shot. If, yep. if they could have just had one win somewhere in there, and they, but it wasn't even close. They had... They could have won against uh, Pittsburgh. That was one game that they could have shocked everybody yeah. and won. Uh, but every other game besides that one was pretty much a more than two score game, except for week uh, 17 against the Giants. But those games are always uh, wonky. <laughs> but yeah, they're either winning big or they were losing big. Uh, they won a game against the Bengals 30 to 7. Well, guess what? They kicked Philly's butt thirty-seven to seventeen. Then they lost thirty-four to seventeen. They lost forty-one to sixteen. They lost twenty-three to nine. They lost twenty-five to three against Washington. Yep. They lost thirty-eight to ten against Arizona. That was the week where Kenyon Drake just completely went bonkers and had that sixty-nine yard run at the end of the game to completely seal it. So, <laughs> yeah, lots of stuff going on here when it comes to Zeke. And he is not going to make it out of the first round. You are not going to get him at a discount. He's still Zeke, and everybody will see that Dak, is. oh, he's going to be the quarterback if they choose to sign him or he chooses to play under the franchise tag. They're still going to draft Zeke, and he's probably still going to be like a top six to eight pick because of his name. And I am scared to death to be in that range in the first round because I'm going to have a hard time saying no to Zeke at, like, pick eight, but I am going to be scared to death to do it. Yeah, it does make you not want that sixth pick or something (laughs) around there because you do have the feeling that, to me, if Dak is back, and I know he's going to play early on, at least very early on in the season, then I wouldn't be completely opposed to it, but I... If Dak's not there, if somebody's drafting him in the first round, go for it. I'll let you have it. Yeah. I'll take him in the second round at some point, but I am not touching him in the first if there's no if there's no Dak Prescott. But even in the second round, without Dak Prescott, we saw what he did, and it was very underwhelming, only two games where he was over 20 points without Dak. So there's no real point in even having him on your team. You might as well go with somebody else you trust in. And there's a, there's a lot of other guys I can trust in at that point. Yep. Um, I have a feeling it's going to be a swap between Zeke and Derrick Henry and where they get drafted like this last season. Derrick yeah. Henry's probably going to be a top three pick because he of will the be. season if he's not, he will be. Thank you. It, well, <laughs> and even then, it, I'm going to be afraid to take somebody like Derrick Henry that high just because what are the odds he has another season back-to-back like we just had? I mean, guys don't just have back-to-back 2,000-yard seasons. It's just practically I'm not, impossible. I'm not saying but, he's going to have 2,000 yards. No. But the workhorse that he is, as long as he's healthy, I can't see. There's no reason for me to think that he's going to fall off. I mean, I don't know if he gets 2,000 yards. I'm not going to say that. But he's not going to be bad. It, it, just put it that way. He'll at least be worthy of saying, all right, I, I drafted in the first round. He gave me what I got. I mean, it's he's going to give you something. It's not going to be the Ezekiel Elliott year to where you're getting 
10, 12. He's going to give you 20 points every other week at the very least, I would see. I would assume. Well, the only reason I put it like that is because Derrick Henry is going to get all of his points on the ground and yep. through touchdowns. So yep. if he regresses, for lack of a better term, to a 1,500-yard and 10-touchdown back, that's great. But is that the guy that you want to take first or second overall when you've got guys like Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey that can give you 1,500 yards on the ground and 800 yards in the air along with 15 touchdowns? Like, there's real no comparison in fantasy football if those guys are healthy and going where Derrick Henry has to get all of oh, his yeah. points on the ground. But I'm not saying I would take them over over uh, McCaffrey if healthy, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or even Kamara at this point because he did had a fantastic year, but although there's no Drew Brees, so there's going to be a debate on that anyways. Yep, there will be. But – but I'm not saying I wouldn't take somebody, one of those types of players over him, but I guess Zeke was going pretty high. <laughs> but I would take him third, maybe fourth. I wouldn't say he's going to drop to the seventh spot or the eighth spot like he kind of was right. this last year. So I'd say he's still at the upper half because I do expect him to have a fantastic year, whether or not it drops or not. I think it's going to be good enough. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's not going to be a lot that you can trust to at least get that many yards, right. that many touchdowns. Right. I just don't want people going into 2021 thinking they're going to get 2,000 yards and 18 touchdowns on the ground. Yep. It just yep. doesn't seem like it's going to be able to repeat like that. Anyway, we have a rookie running back that this <laughs> is not going to be the last time we talk about because both no. Tom and I are like super hyped up about this guy going into 2021. <laughs> and I... I I feel dumb gushing over him, but I can't find any negatives going into next season. And we're probably going to overdraft him compared to where other people do, but I think we're going to be right. Yeah, I think I probably will end up, in quotation, overdrafting J.K. Dobbins because I really trust that he's going to have a fantastic year. Um, and it's no secret right now that he's the running back for the Ravens. I mean, there's no question about it. Mark mm-hmm. Ingram's not coming back. But he only averaged 12.5 points per game. Oh, that how sounds terrible. He, how can he <laughs> be the Ravens guy? Uh, uh, here's why. The last six games that he played, in, he averaged 18.8 points per game in fantasy football. And most of all of that was rushing he wasn't involved much in the passing game but that's not necessarily meaning that he won't get involved this next year imagine if they start passing to him more Mm -hmm. which I do expect I do expect that to happen but here are his numbers from the last six games of this last year just to give you a little uh, way to look at things he had seven touchdowns in the last six games Mm -hmm. 495 yards. That doesn't sound fantastic, but I do expect the yardage to go up and improve as well. And if it doesn't, who cares? It's good enough. So them are the the two big things I want to look at when it comes to somebody who's running the ball a lot and he didn't really get thrown to that much. But why I think it'll improve is because 
he's going to be the guy this year, this next year. I say this year, and it feels like it's almost yeah, last year. It's, it's I don't know it which one to say next year or this year. <laughs> this coming season, let's let's put it that way. Right, this coming season, and I don't, and I know that he won't disappoint. Just look at his college numbers when he was the guy. When he was the guy in college. It was amazing. I know it's college, but come on. Uh, yeah. It's freshman year, four, one, 1,400 yards. <laughs> as a freshman. As a freshman, his average yard per, per carry, 7.2, <laughs> seven touchdowns. His sophomore year, in quotes, a down year, yeah. 1,053 yards. That is a little down compared to what he had the year before. Yes. 4.6 yards per carry, 10 touchdowns. So that's a little bit better than the previous year as well. And then his junior year, an unbelievable year, 2,003 mm-hmm. yards, 6.7 yards per carry, and 20, I can't even say it without laughing, 21 touchdowns. The year he had, if you put that in fantasy aspect, I mean, that is just blows your mind. That is, and that's not and even you a think, They only did this schedule. in fourteen yeah, exactly. games. Exactly. Yep. That's that's insane. If he gets anywhere close to that in sixteen games, he's the best running back in the league. Right. There's no question about it. But don't tell me that he's not going to be amazing. And I think this is part of the reason that you are higher up on him because I was I was literally thinking this guy is the best running back in the draft. Yeah. Whoever drafts him is getting a sweet deal. And lo and behold, he went to the one place I didn't want him to go because I thought Mark Ingram was going to take a bunch of stuff away from him, which he initially did. But then they started putting J.K. Dobbins in there, which I think was the smart move. I think they made the right decision with this. I hated it in fantasy aspects. But coming to this next year, now we know that J.K. Dobbins isn't just a once in a college type of guy. He can do it in the pros. And I saw him playing in college, and now I've seen him in the pros a little bit. The guy is electric, and he's going to be, have a fantastic year this next year. I really, really do believe it. And it's, he wants to be the guy. I mean, oh, that's, yeah, what he he said recent, he, that's what he said recently. I want, is what he says, quote, I want the weight on my shoulders in, cl- in clutch time. I want my teammates to look at me and be like, we want him touching the ball. <laughs> we want him alongside of us in clutch time clutch time I thrive on things like that I pride myself on being a playmaker I didn't get to the show I didn't get to show that this year yeah that if he already thinks that right he there. hasn't done much he knows <laughs> he knows he didn't get to show it and there's more in there for him he's he is ready but anyway he continues hopefully I can share that with the world the team is looking at me the coaches are looking at me I love that put me in or put me Put it on me, and let's go. Let's that's how go. I see this offseason, and that's how I'm attacking it. My teammates and coaches are putting trust in me, so I can't let them down. This guy, I tell you. So far, he's doing everything right. He's saying the right things. He has acted right. It's not he, just. He it, didn't even get mad just, that he wasn't getting the ball last year. Right. It's not just the words that he's saying. It's how I'm seeing him saying it. Yeah. I guess the words do make a difference when it, when I'm looking at what he's saying. But if it's like, yeah, I think I can do better next year, that's typical whatever. But right. he is really saying, they're looking at me. They trust in me. It's time for me to shine. 
And I under I think that that is just fantastic. And when they're saying they're looking at me, that means the coach coaches have trust in this guy. And put put your money down on it. I, at, at this point, I'm not. Don't bet on me, please. <laughs> if this happens and he gets hurt or something crazy well. happens, don't put your money on anything I say. Cause I, that's not smart. But I'm telling you right now, if I'm playing fantasy football. I am getting J.K. Dobbins on my team, and he will not let you down. I almost guarantee. Buckle up. It's going to be it's gonna be great. I'm going to get in a share of Dobbins this year, and it's going to be worth it. So go out and get yourself a share of Dobbins. This is the guy of the future. I, this is, okay, I'm, I'm, this is hard because I didn't know who I wanted to pick to choose for running backs because there were so many guys that I wanted. I was like, I like this guy, I like this guy, I like this guy, I like this guy. And you brought up a couple guys, and Dobbins was one of them. And I was like, you know what? That actually does work. Started early. Because it, this this is the guy, and you you had a hand in this as well, but I always liked him. Yep, you did. This is the guy. Mark it down, okay? This is how confident I am. Mm. I said Lamar Jackson two years ago. Yep. I said Josh Allen this year. I'm saying J.K. Dobbins this next All year. All right. I'm I'm saying he's going to be a top five. This is early ESP. We haven't done ESP well, in so we'll, long. We'll get there. We'll, we we'll got to get, get that going again. We will. Don't worry. But I am saying this. He is top five material. Whether okay. or not it happens, I don't know. But he has... He has the game to put it all together. And I think it very well, very well could happen this next year. All right. Well, I'm going to talk about J.K. Dobbins for just a second. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're both super hyped up on him. And I'm going to give you the, the good and the bad as far as what he did yeah. in this last season. And it's not it's not real bad, per se, because he got 800 in five yards and nine touchdowns for a rookie running back. That sounds great. And it sounds even better when you hear he only had 134 carries to get that 805 yards, which is a six yard per carry average, which is insane in the NFL. Doesn't fall far from where his college numbers were. Right. That's what I'm saying, man. The guy is fantastic on the field. doesn't matter who he's playing against. And, and the thing is, that I'm getting at here is, there was not one single game, even in that six-game stretch, where he had more than 15 carries, and he was doing that and scoring a touchdown on less than 15 carries in all of those games. And he only had 15 carries in two games. He yeah. had 14, 13, 13, 12, 11, 11, and then every other game after that was less than 10 carries per game, and that was mostly in the beginning of the season where there was a three-running-back rotation. Now we know Mark Ingram's gone. It's going to be J.K. Dobbins and maybe Gus Edwards, maybe not even Gus Edwards. There's Uh, not enough trust in Gus Edwards for them to actually think that he's going to be on the field enough to take away from Dobbins' production. Flat out. If, and, and this is, I don't think, a big if, when... J.K. Dobbins is the man next year in Baltimore. He's going to end up with more carries. His yards per carry will probably go down, but that is not enough of a reason to not want to get him because he, if he doubles the amount of carries, that's 268 carries. That's not even that many for a, a full workhorse running back like we think J.K. Yep. Dobbins is going to be. 
And if he doubles the amount of carries and we keep him at the six yards per carry average, that's 1,600 yards. That's probably a bit of a stretch, but I think he can get even more than those 268 carries. I think he's going to be 300 to 350 carries next year. And if he gets four and a half yards per carry, that's 1,200 to 1,500 yards right there. And he already had nine touchdowns and seven in a six-game stretch. What else yep. can you even ask for? We are we're, we're talking about a guy who is probably going to be close to 1500 yards rushing and at least double digit touchdowns next year. So whether or not he gets the hype in the fantasy football world and the regular NFL world leading up to the preseason and the training camps and everything next year Tom and I discussed it just briefly before we came on and we're saying we're probably going to start drafting him if we really want him and depending on our complete and draft order we're probably going to start taking him at the end of the second round i mean i hope i can get him later than that maybe his adp is late third and i will take him early third but if he starts creeping up there i'm going to take him in the second round and i i i really have a lot of confidence taking this guy in the second round next year. I don't know if that's what the consensus ADP is going to be to start with, but I don't know. This it worries me a little bit. I'll be honest because I don't think I'm the only one seeing this. I don't think you're of the only not. one seeing no. this. I think there's a lot of people that are going to dig dig into this a little bit, especially after you see the last six games that he, yes. he played and how good he was. But at that same time, what might scare some people is when he had the ball in his hands in the last six games, they stopped throwing to him. But I don't think – I think that's a smokescreen. I don't think that's real. I think they're going to start throwing to him more as well. I think they wanted to see what he had on his legs. Well, they already saw what he had in the passing game the first so many games. He had, eight, like, he had 18 total receptions, and only three of those receptions came within that last six games. Right. So they were throwing to him. And I think part of that was game plan. But I think part of that was we want to see what he has in the passing game. Now let's see what he has in the running game. And I think they like both sides of what they see. So now it's all going to come together. And that's that's my true opinion. I really think he's going to have a, a fantastic <laughs> year. And I, I I don't know. I This is one of, these, one of those guys that it makes you feel like he could win you the league. I can't argue with you <laughs> at all. We are both gushing over J.K. Dobbins, and we'll gush <laughs> some more, and I'm sure we'll have a an official ESP on him uh, oh, in, in a few short weeks probably. Uh, I think we'll probably do another deep dive kind of the same way we did uh, this week. Uh, for the next couple of weeks, we, we love doing this in the off season, so expect more detailed uh, deep dives on some veterans and some rookies that may have some question marks around them. Uh, so yeah, that that's what we have planned. Uh, we'll probably gush about some more people, but I don't think we can <laughs> gush any more about any other player than we already have about JK Dobbins and it's not going to end. Think so. so yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways, I appreciate you uh, listening out there in podcast land and watching on Twitch. If you're out there, Uh, I will be sticking around for some more after this episode. Uh, But yeah, 
that's that's what we got and uh expect more of the same in the next couple of episodes and uh don't forget stay fueled up this off season <laughs>